This podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you. And check us out at Shorewinder.com. Hey guys, Ryan here with Torch Talk Podcast. Did you know that I also run a marketing agency with the absolute best crew? I keep hearing from other garage door companies how their SEO company or their web design company is just not cutting it. We never hear that here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we work really, really hard for you door guys out there. Check us out, suchandsuchmedia.com. You got the pricing and everything right on the website. Full transparency. And we're going to work really hard because you are the champion of your story. And we just want to be a small part of your success and celebrate it with you. Great customer service. Amazing web design. Phenomenal SEO. It's going to get you ranked. Give us a shout such and such media.com. What's up guys? This is Ryan with torsion talk podcast. And today I've got a wonderful guest. A lot of you guys know him. They've been a longtime sponsor of the podcast, Roman Troyer. Did I pronounce that right? Roman Troyer. Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, Roman is with Somer, in case you guys didn't know. If you didn't know, you've been sleeping under a rock somewhere. So, anyway, Somer's, like, really seized the moment uh, through all of these complications we've been through. I feel like they've just been, like, so steady and great customer service and quality product and just everything. So, I brought him on the podcast today because... We're all dealing with things, right? And one of the biggest things we're dealing with is like product. And uh, Roman talks to tons of dealers and travels the country. And, you know, he's he's been in our shoes as dealers. Uh, he, he owned a dealer. He ran it. Uh, he's on the, the vendor side now where he sells Somer and is a great representation of the company. And one of the things I love about Roman is I can call him and I can pour out my cries and whatever, and he's relatable. He he helps me out, uh, answers questions. I know I can always count on him if I've got a business question or whatever about running the company, but he knows his stuff. Like, he's really, really good. Uh, and so I wanted to bring him on, just ask him a couple of questions. This will be a short interview, but... I really feel like it's valuable, and um, he's got perspective from a bunch of different dealers, what people are thinking, what people are saying. So, Roman, with that, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, one thing I really love about Roman is he always takes me to my favorite steakhouse. Um, I hope y'all aren't jealous, but... Um, you started it. I did start it. Um, <laughs> so, Roman... I would say that uh, right now, as a dealer, it can feel a lot like mass chaos is happening right now. Are you seeing that when you're talking to other dealers, or is it certain parts of the country, certain dealers? What's going on? What's the feel? What are you seeing? Uh, how are other dealers handling things? I mean, it, it's everywhere, and, uh, you know, I see some dealers who kind of get ahead of the game a little bit, maybe in one aspect, they see a shortage coming or something like that. And so they are able to build up stock to, to at least float that. But I don't think anybody uh, is immune or has, you know, built immunity to it in all aspects. I mean, if, if, you know, for a lot of products, especially if they're custom, especially if uh, you're ordering from just about anywhere, you're going to have long lead times and, and the, the the difficult thing is there, it's really pretty much impossible to bulletproof yourself against something like this. The good thing is we're all kind of in it together. Um, so unless, you know, customers are willing to really take a cut on the product they want or on the quality they want, generally speaking, no matter where they go, they're going to be waiting. Yeah. One of the things that I know my company is dealing with is, it's like a vacuum. I mean, we're getting just tons of business. Phones are ringing like crazy. I've cut my marketing. Like, I'm not doing AdWords or anything right now. And we still can't get to all the business. We've got, uh, we're interviewing people. One of the key things I'm seeing 
we've lost a few guys. Um, I got a lot of people singing off the same sheet, and it's really remarkable. I kind of like it, but maybe I reacted to it too late was a lot of people are wanting to spend more time with family. Like pre-COVID, it was like, give me all the work I can handle, pay me, pay me, pay me. You're not paying me enough. You're not paying me enough. Now it's like I'm good with the pay. I just want to spend more time with my family. And so we're, we've adjusted our schedules and we're, we're, um, we're taking a different approach and trying to, it, it's cost us, right? Like, um, it's, it's definitely cost us by not being able to get to as many jobs and we've lost some people. And so, uh, we have a certain amount of fixed operation cost, and, uh, in order to, to beat that, we've got to be at a certain level of revenue, uh, with a certain profit margin. And we were trucking along and then we started having people quit and then, it was like another person quit, another person quit, and now we got like we're down like four or five people in the past like eight weeks, and we're hiring. But I'm so picky, right? That it's taking longer to fill the holes, right? And so the the profit suffers. You know, the guys that are working here are having to work a little bit harder, so it it hurts the morale. Um, you got the dispatchers are answering the phones like they're you walk in their office and they look at you like their hair's all messed up and like they're like oh my god like i haven't had a break in freaking four hours i gotta go to the bathroom can you cover the phone so i get back and i'm like yes so it 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 feels like a lot we're getting doors in uh without springs we're getting the invoice for them um you know we're, we're i had a manufacturer tell me the other day that um you know he's giving me a hard time because we weren't ordering enough and i'm like dude you can't even get me what I'm ordering. Like, <laughs> I'm lost here. I'm really lost. Uh, so uh, we're trying to play it, you know, where we can order things and get them at a certain time and go where we where we can um, to get what we need. And so it's, uh, you know, when you start getting pressure then from manufacturers, like, hey, listen, you know, you aren't meeting the goals uh, for spend. And I'm like, well, you aren't meeting the goals for delivery. Uh, you know, now you're like, who wins that battle? Right. So, yeah. um, I, I don't feel like Somer. well, let's just take this approach first. The garage door opener industry for the most part recovered really quickly. Um, and we haven't really had any back orders on openers to my knowledge. Uh, since we kind of recovered a little bit through that phase that we went through for what probably, I know LiftMaster was probably struggling the most, um, Genie probably second, and then you guys, it felt like on this side, you guys kind of just, you made it look like you guys were cruising through, but I know you were working really hard on the back end trying to get everything coordinated. Um, why do you think that the garage door opener manufacturers are doing so well and they have metal materials, they got all these other components, but the, the garage door side is really, really struggling. I actually don't know that, like, I'm not sure what the difference is between the opener manufacturers. I mean, I, and, and a lot of it is just because I don't know the internal processes of how like the door manufacturers work. Um, you know, like just us, for example, um, we have the advantage of the U.S. subsidiary, which stocks quite a few months worth of product. So that product is our buffer if demand suddenly spikes like it did last year by around 40 percent uh, for us. So so we have that buffer and we got down to the place where I was thinking that we're going to have to start shipping stuff that customers hadn't ordered, <laughs> you know, um, which in our case wouldn't be bad because they're just getting larger motors or maybe a pro operator instead of an Evo. But um, the the other thing that stood to our advantage kind of was the fact that um, in Germany, we were, we were not running at capacity before. Uh, we have, we have a very streamlined and very efficient uh, manufacturing process. And we were not running at capacity before COVID hit. So when COVID hit, we could pretty easily space out the manufacturing process. We hadn't even got into our third shift, uh, the way I understand it, before COVID. So we were able to just bleed over into additional shifts mm. um, and spread out the workforce, 
everything slowed down per shift, but we were pretty easily able to keep up. So much to uh, learn from that because from a dealer's perspective, like I've mentioned it before, one of my biggest faults is like wide open. I've got one gear and it's yeah. full speed ahead, right? Like I really struggle. Like I've even like you and I have talked, right? And I'm like, you know, man, you guys need to storm the market. Like this is a great opportunity. You guys are killing it. You're doing good. Like now's the moment. That's my mentality. I'm always optimistic and it, it doesn't matter. Like even when all hell's raining down, I'm like, charge the mountain, you know, <laughs> but, but there's something to be said. Like I'm learning now that, um, methodical, smart, strategic moves are important. Um, and like, I really respect the approach that you guys are taking. It's like, we're going to have a strong foundation and we're not going to do anything to rock that boat and we're going to grow steady. Um, but Somer aside, like, I don't want to, I don't want to make it all about Somer. Um, although you guys do a great job. I, um, I, I have found that the, I, I'm very interested in maybe going into like some of these garage door manufacturers and seeing their processes and their workflows, because I feel like in order to be profitable and have a good business and manufacturing, you have to be, your systems and processes have to be like perfect. And that's, that's the only way you can really impact the bottom line without price increases. Um, you know, maintaining equipment to continue building doors maybe, but it's systems and processes, everybody knowing their job, being consistent systems and processes, quality control, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like the garage door opener side has done a pretty good job, quality control, all that. And the garage door side is just, um, you know, I would think in a time and it's getting better, but I would think in a time where we are, um, so far out on material that, um, people would double down on quality control, but it feels like people have backed off quality control. Um, and that could be because of like regulation or whatever. I don't know. What's your take on that? If you, if you've got 12, 12 weeks to deliver a product, you've got that much longer to make sure it's right. That's kind of what you're thinking, right? Well, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, you probably need to make sure it's right because if you ship it off and something's damaged or whatever, then it's going to take another 12 weeks to get the damaged part. And, you know, nobody wants to go through that. I know they don't want to go through that. Yeah. It's costing them more than it does under normal circumstances. Right. I, I think so. I think like part of today's today's work economy and by economy, I mean, not to, I mean, like the big picture, including uh, logistics and uh, supply lines and, and all of that um, is really like <laughs> one of my mentors used to say, paraphrasing a beatitude he said blessed are those who are flexible for they shall not be bent out of shape or something like that yeah like that's never true in business never more true in business than it's been than it is today um and so when you have you know on a scale of like your company when you have a garage company that's running mac at wide open full capacity and everything you're doing and then all of a sudden uh either you have a small shift in, let's say, workforce, like you said, wanting to spend a little bit more time with their family. So now you've got to hire additional people to make up for that. Or if you have decreased revenue and your overhead stays the same, you've got to increase your margins in order to, to keep the company Which afloat, we've had right? to do, yeah. You've got to make a shift somewhere. And if you don't have any leeway in there for those buffers, that gets, it, it quickly becomes really chaotic. And I think, you know, if you take it, like, like for your company, it's pretty easy for you to be personally in touch with everybody who's involved there. So if there's a problem, you can mastermind it and easily resolve it. But when you've got, you know, six, 800, a thousand people that are, that are part of that kind of pyramid of structure, that becomes a lot more complicated. And the problem is you've got processes in place. You've got to have some fail safes in place also in case right. things go wrong. But what happens when something goes wrong this month and something else goes wrong next month and something else goes wrong the following month. And it's like six, eight, 12 months, just back to back of, of you, you, you put a process in place. 
um, or you put a fail safe in place for to make sure that that problem doesn't happen again and another problem comes up and another one and another one. And it's just, I think that's kind of the scenario we've been seeing. Whack a mole. Well, so many companies, I see companies all the way from, from dealers, small dealers, even people who work by themselves, having a lot of struggles with trying to figure out how to handle things. Um, because it's almost like every week you come in Monday morning and there's a new problem that you never dreamed you'd have. And so you've got to figure out how to handle it. And it just doesn't let up. And I think all the way up to, you know, the large manufacturers, they're kind of having the same problem just at a multiplied scale. And I, like, I can't, I, I can't really wrap my mind around trying to manage the headaches at that scale because it's really big and yeah, I'm not trying to stick up for anybody here. It's just, no, I mean, you're just, right. You're right. And and that's what I want. I want transparency and truth and, and um, you know, a, like obviously I think that a lot of what you're saying is true. I think for me, um, I understand like if you got a thousand employees, like that's really hard. And, and I, I don't have a thousand employees, you know, we're, we're uh, right now we're sitting at like 10, 11. We were at like 14 at one point. Um, and I got another one starting on Monday. So we're going to be back to 12. Um, I just, uh, I feel like, um, you know, it wasn't too long ago where I was bragging about how, how I made decisions to hire proactive salespeople and it's been doing great. And then one of my favorite employees, shh, don't tell anybody. Um, Heidi love her, dude. I had to walk in there and sit down and tell her how I had to let her go. I'm like, I don't have enough people to do the jobs and I'm paying you to generate more business. And that sucks. <laughs> how bad does that suck, dude? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was crushed. I told Josh, we went to dinner last night to talk about things. And I told him, I said, dude, I fell into a depression for three days uh, having to let her go because she is not only an amazing employee, uh, great attitude, loved her job. And to walk in and be like, hey, Heidi, I am really, really sorry, but. I cannot afford to pay you to sell jobs we can't get to. And you're basically telling her that that you're too good. Yeah, you're. That we're not able to keep up with how good you are at your job. That yeah. sucks. And so, um, you know, that was tough. That was that was really really tough. And you know, I got egg on my face because I think it was like a month prior. I was bragging about how awesome she was and how everybody should go out and hire a salesperson. And it's like, wait a minute. I just had to let her go. You might want to rethink hiring it. Like, so basically if you listen to my podcast, don't do everything I tell you to do because obviously it's not perfect. Um, but I, uh, I feel like if I'm a manufacturing plant and I've got a thousand employees, I, I know, like I told Josh yesterday, I said, it feels like whack-a-mole here. You know, we got a problem pop up over here. We take care of it. Another problem pops up over here. We take care of it. While we're taking care of this one, another one pops up. And we're constantly, like, you know, trying to patch the problem. So so we are like, you know what? I think I'm to the point where I don't know how long this is going to go on, but I don't want it. If this is the new norm or it's going to go on for an extended time, we need to reevaluate everything, like, from the ground up, like our processes and everything. We found some solutions at the, at the dinner table last night that um, we were able to implement last night, which, by the way, I love that. Um, being able to have a conversation, come up with a good game plan, and then call, call you know, I called Tisha at 8 o'clock last night. I'm like, hey, here's how I want you to start doing this, and this is our new process. And she's like, oh, that sounds great. Cool. <laughs> All right, we're done. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. – uh, so being able to do that is nice. And that, that doesn't happen at scale when you got a thousand employees. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, there's other things, but, um, I don't know. Like that whole I, process is going to take three or four days, maybe a week or more. Um, yeah. but yeah. And, and I think manufacturers are a little bit of a disadvantage from what I understand. Uh, they've had to scale back employees per shift. Um, yeah. and in order to produce the product at the level that they need to produce, Maybe some had to scale back on quality control checking. Um, like, hey, where where can we focus our attention? We need revenue. We need profit. Um, 
even though we may get some of these out and they have damage or whatever, um, I think that they're, they, some of them may have gone in survival mode and said, hey, listen, if we're able to have X amount of employees manufacturing garage doors, let's not do quality control. And I don't know if this happened or not, but I'm just thinking that through the process, let's take the people that we have standing over here checking things, and instead of having them check it, let's have extra people over here putting the doors together so we can keep up with the demand and then we'll deal with the quality control issues later. Yeah. Is that possible? Possible, but not probable. I would guess I would hope. Um, Cause like the way I envisioned that scenario. And again, you know, just, I, I probably don't know more about the door manufacturing process than you do, but like the way I envisioned that is if you have to spread people out and you're losing people um, when demand is going up, and you're scrambling to keep up, you're, you're, you're probably hiring wherever you can, probably hiring people that you shouldn't hire and you wouldn't hire under normal circumstances. And then, um, you know, training is not what it should be because you can't get there fast enough. Um, and then quality control is going to take a dump. And, and especially when you have a huge process and stopping to correct something in quality control is going <laughs> to shut that whole process down. Right. You know, that that also becomes very expensive very quickly. So you got the and quality so, control person there. They see the issue and they're like, hey, I got a problem. They're like, just send it. Right. Like, because, because what are we going to do? Stop that whole line all the way back. Right. Yeah. So what sense does it make to even have somebody check in quality control if, if you're, you're not going to? Right. Actually take care of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm sitting here thinking they've got to be just, like, taking those people, putting them somewhere else and being like, screw it. If they complain, we'll help them out. If they don't, we're good, right? Like, and then, the, like, excuse my language, but shit floats downhill, and then we got to deal with it, right? We we get yeah. the truck here, and if it didn't get damaged at the manufacturing plant, we see, that we you know, the driver lifts his, you know, pulls his doors open, pulls up to our dock, and then we're like, are those our doors that's all freaking sideways and crooked with other doors on top of it? Oh yeah. They fell off. Must've been when I took that hard turn back there. And I'm like, dude, you gotta be kidding me right now. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm questioning a lot. Um, and I've stopped really focusing on the manufacturers and started focusing on, okay, this is a thing. This is now yeah. our problem. Uh, they're not going to fix it. So how do we fix it? So one of the things that we did yesterday was, um, Josh, uh, recommended he's freaking brilliant. Um, we've always, we've always like found it. We've been really good at, um, ordering a door, figuring out roughly when the date is and then scheduling like a, we tell the customer, Hey, we're, we're tentatively going to schedule for this date. Uh, but he doesn't do that for commercial. He just kind of like, um, you know, he waits till stuff comes in and then he checks it and then goes out. So, so he was like, why don't you do that for residential? And I'm like, where's my phone? <laughs> Tisha, here's our new plan. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, there's some things and I told him last night, I was like, dude, as an owner, I've been in the field more over the past couple months than I have been in the last two years. Uh, but I'm learning things. Uh, I feel like I'm getting better. I'm exposed to more things, more problems, more issues. Uh, we had a problem with service Titan that I, like everybody was just working around and apparently people pointed it out, but I, maybe I didn't take it serious enough. I don't know, but those are all things that I feel like uh, going out in the field and stuff to help out with. Um, as dealers, you're stopping in dealers all the time. You don't have to name names. Um, what are you hearing from dealers on ways they're maybe overcoming some of this stuff? What are some of the concerns that maybe some of the dealers have long-term with all this stuff? And um, do you have, is anybody that you've talked to have a good answer as to why all of this is happening, the shortages and stuff? <laughs> Three questions. Um, start with the last one. I, I, I don't, I don't think anybody has a good answer that I've heard that satisfies, you know, it's easy for us. Maybe we watch too many movies, mm -hmm. but we go into real life and we've got this problem. It can be in business. It can be personally. 
And it's like, we're looking for the joker because we know that everything bad that happens in my business or everything bad that happens in my life can all be traced back to one person, right? Mm. And um, in real life though, that's just not the case. And there may be times when that happens, but they're very much the exception, not the rule. So you're saying it's not Biden's fault. Yeah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I've heard that a lot. I'll just throw that out there. You know, and you you have people who waver from the side of everything is his fault (laughs) to people who who are his most avid supporters who say nothing is his fault. And it's like they can't. Neither of them are true. We know that. Right. He plays a role. Yeah. He plays a role in everything. But everybody influences it. Some people have more influence than others. But, you know, I think what you're doing, um, if you implement quality control, if quality control measures are seem to be missing from the supply chain above you implement them yourself so that you you're at least saving yourself time in the field if you have a quality control issue you discovered it before you send somebody out and now they've wasted two hours loading the truck going out there unloading the truck coming back you but know. roman that's just the thing dude is that like if we get a door and it's got like a ding in it or um you know whatever uh in most cases it's best to just go ahead and install it, request the section and go back out. You know, I mean, especially right. if you've got people that's been waiting, you know, 12 weeks, um, right. you know, do you, do, do you just tell them, Hey, listen, uh, we got a ding in the door and you know, we're, we're going to just wait for them to send another section. That's going to probably piss them off more than just going out there and being like, Hey, I'm going to install this door. Oh, uh, there's a ding. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. So, I mean, I see that side of it, but like, it, and then, and then that puts extra pressure on your warehouse guys because now they're unbundling doors. I, I don't unbundle doors unless we have yep. obvious uh, visual damage of the box um, or the cardboard. And then, um, and, and so like, how far do we take it? Like, are we now assuming extra expenses and things that we shouldn't have to do because someone else isn't doing them? So I'll just challenge you with that. You don't even have to respond to it. Uh, but that trickles down. That's what I say. Like, I think a lot of dealers right now feel like all the lack of is trickling down to us. And we're having to assume the responsibilities of things that we feel like they should already be doing or have yeah, been doing. No, I, I definitely get that. And I don't disagree. It's just that, you know, at this point, from whatever whatever manufacturer you're buying from, um obviously options are becoming more limited because a lot of manufacturers aren't taking on new dealers because of shortages and, and all of that. Um, but ultimately kind of like, um, I'm trying to remember, I'm, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan and okay. I know that's old stuff for, for, uh, no, you're for good. I think a lot of door guys are Lord Lord read books, like Lord of the Rings is timeless. And there's that line in the movies, which I think it's articulated better in the books, but there's that line in the movie where Frodo tells Gandalf, you know, I wish the ring hadn't come to me. And Gandalf says, you know, so do all who fall on hard times like this. But, you know, what comes to us isn't necessarily like there, there's, a, there's a certain element of fate in all of that. Like we, we can't control everything around us all the time. And at some point, we just have to make the decision to, to take up the slack, uh, whether we're going to do it for free or whether we're going to charge for it, or am I better off not, you know, not finding these problems until I'm in the field, or should I know about them before I go to the field so I know what to prepare for? You know, all of those are decisions that we have to make. And ultimately, you know, you can try finding other suppliers, um, which is something you know, that that's part of what the free market is and should do. Um, and I've preached that a lot of, I've preached that on here, right. Is have accounts with multiple suppliers, you know, um, sell, sell different types of doors. It, it, it opens up opportunities with customers that you may not have if you just choose one supplier where my buddy, Adam Weber, he thinks very differently. He he's all about like brand loyalty you know, he's a lift master and, um, what lift master clope and he's yeah. diehard. Like he is yeah. diehard. Like he and I have conversations with him. We just agree to disagree. 
Um, now yeah. there are definitely, he gets a lot of benefits from his manufacturers that I don't get. Right. right. Um, and that's okay. Um, and so I feel like, could I get better pricing if I was brand specific? Yes, I could. Um, could I get better perks? Yes, I could. Could I be prioritized? Yes, I could. Um, and you know, when I think about it, I'm like, he may or may not be suffering more than me right now, but I'm guessing because his brand loyalty, that loyalty is going to be there for him too during the hard times where he maybe can order more uh, than everybody else if they're scaling back or maybe the price increase doesn't hit him as hard, you know, where I'm going to take, you know, most of my manufacturers work with me a little bit. But uh, as I've mentioned in Facebook posts and everything else, I don't mind price increases as long as it's across the board. If everybody's getting price increases, then it, it it's fine. We're all selling doors approximately for the same, you know, we're all buying doors for approximately the same price. Now, what are you marking them up? That's very different between dealers, right? So um, uh, what is your take on brand loyalty? And I know this is, you you, uh, you, you may or may not uh, be able to answer this unbiasedly, um, but what's your take on brand loyalty? For, from a SOMA perspective, you know, I would assume you guys take better care of the dealers who take better care of you guys. That's fair to say, right? Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Good, man. How are you, Roman? Doing great. I just wanted to reach out and let you guys know how grateful I am that Somer has been a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Yeah, fifth season already. We've had four really good seasons and a lot of good success for us. That's great to hear. At this point, though, I think everybody's pretty much heard of you guys that follow the podcast. What do you think we could say to make your ads stand out for season five? Well, I think we've been working really hard on customer service, making sure that our team and everyone knows all the technical things they need to know to make sure we get uh, the best and quickest service to both homeowners and dealers. Um, we've also been putting a lot of stuff out there to improve product knowledge so that customers know how to, or so that dealers and technicians can know how to troubleshoot or know, you know what all our operators are capable of because there's a lot of stuff, even stuff that's not in the manual. And um, we're continually improving the product. We've had a couple of new software releases in the last year. Um, we're continually adding additional accessories and we've got some even new operators in the pipeline that we're excited about. So you guys got a lot going on. That is great. Am I allowed to talk about how awesome you guys have been through all the shortages and price increases? You guys have been like steady Eddie. Like you didn't skip a beat, no quality issues to my knowledge or anything. Well, summer is a German company. You know, we, we do things slowly, but we're, we try to do them well. That is super true. You guys have a great team and I am so thankful and proud to have you guys as a sponsor of Torsion Talk. Hey, Torsion Talk family. If you haven't tried Somer yet, I challenge you to reach out and start a conversation today. Not only is the product great, but Roman and his team are super knowledgeable. I can call him and troubleshoot or just ask advice because he's been in my shoes. If you're ready to chat with the team at Somer, call 877-766-6607. Bifolding overhead doors are simply cool. Therefore, if you install one, you two are cool. All kidding aside, Schweiss makes the best bifold door on the market. So when you have an opportunity to sell a bifold, Check them out first. As a matter of fact, Bifold security doors are hot right now. If you check out their website, Bifold.com, you can see hundreds of ideas on how businesses are using Bifold doors. They have tons of photos on their website. They've supplied doors, Bifold doors, for restaurants, basketball stadiums like Golden One Center in Sacramento, retail stores, and even spectacular homes. These doors are a game changer and a statement piece. If you want a project that will draw attention, sell Schweiss door. Tell them Ryan with Torch Talk Podcast sent you. Visit bifold.com. That's B-I-F-O-L-D.com. I would assume you guys take better care of the dealers who take better care of you guys. That's fair to say, right? Yeah, I mean, so the way like our philosophy is that we don't require brand loyalty. Um, like we don't require you to to commit to a certain percentage or exclusivity in order to set you up as a dealer, but we reward brand loyalty. So, and I, you know, I think 
I'm pretty satisfied with that because from a dealer perspective, I was definitely more on your side. I like to have uh, options available to be able to present to customers. Um, I like to make sure that customers would not, would always buy from, from my company because we offered them anything they could want. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was my ideal. Um, and, and I think personally, my philosophy is still a lot that way. I mean, I think like Summer's philosophy kind of fits in, in with that pretty well. You know, we do reward brand loyalty and people who buy like a lot of product from us or who buy a majority of their product, they're operated from us, um, definitely get treated differently than people who buy, you know, 10% of their, of their product. Um, I had something else I was going to say about that though. I, you know, I, I think I'm an advocate kind of shifting gears a bit there. I think I'm an advocate, especially since I've joined Summer, for increased and in, 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 uh, increased communication and transparency between manufacturers and dealers. And uh, even you know, I've been here for a little over three years. I still don't know how to implement that at an industry-wide level, apart from apart from you know being an example. Like like whatever transparency I want, that's what that's what we're working towards. And hopefully, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Hopefully, if uh, a few of us take that perspective and really try to communicate well with our dealers and be open and transparent with either problems we're having, supply chain issues, if it's quality control issues, and just say, look, we've got this going on. Uh, we want you to know ahead of time so that so that you're not blindsided by it because it's really the surprises that that take you and just really set you back, right? Yeah. If uh, and that, that's what we've been seeing all year is the, the continued one thing happens and another thing happens and we're not prepared because we're still reeling from the last thing. So I think if manufacturers can at least be proactive in saying, look, we've got this issue coming up. Um, we want you to be aware of it so that, you know, we have limited control over our supply lines. We do what we can, but we've got an issue coming up so that you can also put some safeguards into place. I mean, I mean the, the flip side of it is I've wondered how many of the shortages are actually are bulk buying exacerbated by the hyper connectivity in on the dealer side now that's also a possibility so um and that's something to consider is if you know if you have some of the big door manufacturers who come and say look we've got a spring shortage coming up and i'm just mm -hmm. going to use that because it's something that already everybody already knows ding, ding, how many ding, dealers ding, ding. go out and buy all the springs they can then that ex actually exacerbates the problem. And, right. you know, that's where, like what you talked about earlier, as far as, as summer being steady eddy through shortages last year, you know, I went into our warehouse at one point and I was talking to some uh, dealers who had rather large, uh, uh, really needed to buy a lot of operators to supplement. And I was talking to them and I was like, you know, how hard do I push? And you start running numbers and I'm like, if I sell to X number of dealers at this volume, I'm going to short our regular dealers. And that's the point where I'm, I'm like, you know, I think I'm better off not doing that. I would rather have, instead of having a 60% increase last year, I would rather stick with a 40% and make sure that we are doing a really good job with the people we have. That's a win. Because so, you're... It, it, you're recognizing the people who got you where you're at rather than yeah. getting a little bit greedy and trying to take on all the new stuff. Right. But, but every decision you make has a balance, you know, between things like that. Uh, how much, how much do I try to grow my business yeah. while, while making sure it's also sustainable? How much do I um, stretch myself too thin um, or, I'm all about too thin and growth, dude. Just stretch me and let's just go. I'm changing but, though. I am changing. You should know that I'm changing, but I've made decisions that we that are going to have us. Yeah, right. I, I've made decisions already that's going to have us in growth mode for like the next six months. So it's going to take me some time to like, you know, step it. I'm not stepping down, but I'm just not like full fledged, wide open. Let's just hit it because we were. We were on track to double this year over last year, double. And we were already doing pretty good. 
So yeah, yeah that's uh, that's a lot. And uh, with that comes you know cash flow issues and other things, and and we're trying to balance all of that. So, uh, so I have a question for you about that. Do you, do you have a ten year plan? I do. I got a fi- my do five year plan is way more important than my ten year plan. Okay. So when you have a year like last year, how? Uh, last year was down. So we didn't so achieve what when we you have a year where everything shifts and you've got, you know, so let's say your 10 year plan includes growth projections of just to put a number out there, 20% per year. Uh, when you've got a year that doubles, do you revisit immediately revisit the five and 10 year plan? Of and course. Dude. Absolutely. Because your whole, <laughs> your whole plan is modified now. And it, I would do the same thing if we were short, you adjust as well, but also make adjustments in an attempt to get to your final five-year plan. Um, but I mean, like, it's funny. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm that guy who walks in on the 25th of the month and like congratulates my team for hitting goal. And then I'm like, how high can we go? You know, like, and, and then we set like a B, we have a BHAG goal, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And if we hit that, then we all go do something really fun or we like, you know, pay out a bonus or something. Um, and so that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that, and that's good. Uh, the thing is though, like um, how comprehensive, cause how comprehensive are those long-term plans? Because obviously you have to have uh, a lot of logistics and HR and stuff you know, figuring into those things. And if those things are not taken care of, then you can have all the growth you want, but, but your long-term plans are going to fall short Correct. or they're going to be extremely chaotic when you get there. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but I, I tell my, I remind my team of this all the time is that, um, you know, one of the reasons why I think we struggle to get over that like 13, 14, um, employee barrier uh, because every time we kind of reach that, we kind of fall back a little bit is because I believe genuinely that uh, there's two types of ways to to lead. You can lead proactively, which is really the only, only way, uh, but there's a lot of leaders who lead reactively. Um, uh-huh. And what I mean by that is a proactive leader, uh, in my opinion, uh, can only proactively lead approximately five people effectively. A reactive leader can have 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 people, whatever. It doesn't make any difference. Um, and But to proactively lead your team, I'm talking you don't wait a year to do reviews. You, you're working with people on a weekly or monthly basis. Um, you're, you're proactively looking for ways to improve their performance. You're training. You're doing quality control on those particular people. Um, you are having, we do what's called one-on-ones where we take people to breakfast, uh, before they start their day, we sit down, it's a, it's a 30, 45 minute deal. We eat breakfast. We talk, Hey, Roman, how have you been? How's your wife? How's the kids? You know, what's new, what's going on in your life? Um, and because we're people, right? Like, and I do genuinely want to know, like, how is everything going? Um, you know, if little Johnny broke his leg last time, I'm going to ask if little Johnny's legs feeling better, you know? Uh, but then I'm going to say, Hey, uh, what are some areas that I need to improve as a leader? Be honest with me. This is safe space. You can, you can say whatever you want. Like just hit me. Um, and the first couple of times everybody's gonna be like, Oh, you're doing great. You know, (laughs) it's like, right like I know I've got to improve like help me out here but after they do it a couple times I keep asking them they're like well there's this one thing you know like when you said this it kind of irked me the wrong way and I'm like I can see that so I know next time I shouldn't approach you like that how would you have preferred me approach you and oh well if you would have done this I think I probably would have responded better cool I got you I'll do that next time um what motivates you like you know, I try to find out all these things, what's going on. Like and motivation changes. If you have a kid, your motivation changes. If you buy a house, your motivation changes. So you can't assume that the motivation is the same when you hired them, that it is six months down the road or even a year. 
but you don't know that because you're not involved in asking the questions. So to be proactive leader, I think you have to be involved. You have to have one-on-one conversations. You have to ask tough questions. Where are some processes that are broken down? What do you think that we could do better? Where are some areas of improvement uh, on a scale to one to 10? How much do you love your job? What are some ways that we can make you love it more? Um, you know, and right now what I'm hearing from my employees are, Hey, listen, I, I'm making good money. I just feel overworked and stressed out. And so we're rearranging schedules, probably not to the benefit of the company, but the company is the people. And if I'm wearing them out, they're going to leave and then I'm going to lose my company. (laughs) I can't run my company without my people. So we we're 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 uh, making adjustments, but guess what? Guess what that does? I got to raise my prices. So yeah. all of our prices have gone up dramatically um, to compensate for what's going on with the economy the, and, and also uh, to try to, and this is something I took away from Tommy Mello. Like, listen, I don't agree with everything Tommy Mello says, but he's freaking, he says some great stuff. And, um, you know, he's like, what do you want your company to look like? And, you know, envision that, like take the reins off, envision it. And then, the answer is always, but I don't have enough money to do that. So charge more. How much do you need to charge to get there? He's like, that's how you do it. And I'm like, feels so easy now. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. Like, I've always had this perception, like, I need to be within the market range and this and that. And I'm just not there anymore. And and I'm just like, you know what? If you want to hire us, we think we're the best and we're going to charge for it. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and if, and that's fine, if you don't want us, that's totally cool. Uh, but people aren't, aren't even complaining. Like they're happy to hire us at the rates that we're charging. And, uh, and we're really hot right now. Uh, but I also, at the same time, like, um, I, I posted this too, that if you, if we're experiencing a spring shortage, how much longer, and I've been told by some people that we may be out, uh, in three to six months, who knows? Are you raising the prices on your springs, not just because of the increase in prices, but are you increasing the price of your spring changes because you might be limited on how many you can do over the next six months to a year? Like, that's where I'm at, right? So I'm thinking, okay, if I've got 2,000 springs in my shop, how do I maximize this if I'm unable to get more? And I'm going to charge the most I can uh, because that's our moneymaker. So... Uh, I know I went went off on a tangent there, um, but what do you think? No, I, I mean, I think that's good and, and all really important stuff, uh, you know, to make sure that your company is running as well as possible. I mean, you know, the other thing I think with the way you build your employees' loyalty, you know, there's lots of lessons to be learned there regarding supplier and uh, consumer loyalty as well. But if you have a team that is loyal, um, a lot of those, a lot of the smaller kind of lower tier problems will iron themselves out before they ever get to you, which is, which is really helpful in building a company. But um, yeah, I mean, back to the kind of manufacturer um, dealer communication, I, you know, I don't know. I, I really, Definitely, I'm open to you or people who listen to the podcast. If you have any ideas on how to um, improve that and and increase the kind of transparency, I think, and communication that's needed between manufacturers and dealers, I think a, there's a lot of us on the manufacturer side that would really like to hear it. I don't think there's a good forum for that to happen, maybe. I got um, you. I'll set it but, up. But... Can yeah, you help me organize it? I'll do. You remember at Virtual Door Dealer Conference, we did the panel discussion. Yeah. Why don't we do a Why don't we do a public free panel discussion? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I was thinking about the conference and uh, especially uh, Lyle. I don't remember his last name. He did from a good job. Amar coming along, I was like that. That would that, that was a pretty courageous move because he was the only one from the the door manufacturers who really came and answered tough questions. Which, Nobody which wanted really to. Me a lot no, I got a tons of respect for him and Amar dude at a hundred percent for doing that. 
and yeah. uh, brave. But beyond that, he deserves the credit for being brave and doing that. But what I'm shocked at is, and and I don't, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, because, but I do feel like you got to call some people out, and and you know I'll separate you from this. This is my opinion. Um, like, why are the door manufacturers so like scared to say something? And it feels like, um, like when I when I view it. Uh, and I'm talking to these door manufacturers and I'm like, hey, would you be a sponsor? And everybody's semi-interested. And then they're like, no, nah, we don't want to do it, uh, which is fine. Like, I no hard feelings. I don't got a problem with that. But then I'm like, hey, I got a panel discussion and the whole industry wants to hear answers. They're like, oh, we're not interested in that. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, listen, yeah. these these guys need answers. Like, we, it's going to help the dealers that you sell to. No, 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 we're good. We, we don't want to do that. And that's where we should be. Yeah. Lyle's the only Lyle. uh, Well, I actually reached out to. um, Oh, my God, I forgot his name. I feel so bad. He's such a good dude. He's been on my podcast. um, I think Lyle reports to him. Oh, my God. Val. Val, Yes. So I reached out to Val. Val was like, dude, I would love to. I'm going on vacation, though. I'm going to connect you with Lyle. Lyle will do it. And I'm like, he, he didn't even bat an eye. He was like, yeah, absolutely, we're in. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like, now yeah. I don't have a panel of one, right? I was hoping to have a panel of like three or four, and it ended up being two. You know why? I couldn't get any door dealers on. They wouldn't yeah. come on, and I really wanted okay. door dealers. So that was frustrating. Um, so I would love I would love to set up a um, – I think that would be great. Well, let's just do a free – no charge live panel discussion where you bring on like two or three manufacturers, um, maybe three or four, whatever, and just have a Q and a and let, let the audience ask questions. You know, yeah. we'll feed, we'll, we'll make it professional. Like we're not going to ask the rude questions cause I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of those coming over, but we'll, we'll, we'll sift through them and, and pick out the questions. You think that would be a good idea? If we can get them to do I it. Think it's a great idea if you can get, you know, if you can get people to partic- participate. Um, you know, I think for the door manufacturers, because because a lot of them are, are solving so many problems and really kind of in damage control mode, um, that, that might be difficult. But we I deserve mean, answers. They can pause for an hour and yeah, answer some questions. Absolutely. But but keep chipping away. You know, how how many customers have you had that you talked to for a year before you sold them, a, you know, a twenty or thirty thousand dollar door project. Yeah, I don't know if you've had that. I've had that. I've had it happen frequently, yeah. and and you just keep the conversation open, keep chipping away, keep the possibility there, and eventually, I think, I hope that you know people will come to the table and, and want to talk. Um, I that panel discussion, no, what did you call it? Panel discussion. Yeah, at at the virtual door dealer conference was probably my my single favorite event from oh, you um, froze the up. whole, I, and I'm guessing it's probably a little bit different for me because I'm both the dealer and the manufacturer side. And I felt like that's where it kind of came together. And yeah. I loved, loved that. And I uh, really respected the guys who, you know, came and were willing to, to answer questions and stuff. Yeah. Me and too. you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of influence, not, not to put myself out there, but I don't, I don't have a ton of influence on the manufacturer side yet. I attend the DASMA meetings and stuff, but you know, there's a lot of people I don't know and, and a lot of people I'm sure who don't know me. Um, so it's not like I can pull strings there and make that happen, but definitely keep wielding whatever influence I do have and encouraging people to, to be open to those possibilities. Perfect. Well, I'm going to, as a matter of fact, uh, here we go. I'm going to, this is me, dude. This is how it works. This is how I get in trouble, Roman. This is how I get in trouble. Now I'm organizing one more thing. Um, Tamara's my assistant. Hey, let's organize a panel discussion with door manufacturers. You thinking about putting it out as a podcast? I don't care. What, whatever. I want to do it live. 
I want to do it live where people can like ask questions and participate. I think that would be cool. Like we we yeah, actually yeah. have like they can chat in questions and we can kind of take the questions and ask them. We'll have questions that we kind of prepare for, which I think that might scare people away too. But we're we'll be we'll be respectful. I'm not going to be like, why yeah. do you suck? You know, like that's not yeah. how we're going to handle it. So um, I I may reach out to uh, the people that were on the panel before and see if they got any influence um, with the other guys. And uh, I would love to have a open discussion. We could do it um, through YouTube or Facebook or whatever um, live. And then I can take it and make it a podcast too. Um, um, you got any suggestions? Not necessarily a plug here, but I, I've uh, uh, been, I've joined one of the IDA's buyer council meetings. Have you been to any of the dealer council meetings? I have. Yeah. And I've, I've enjoyed those, but again, they're, they're kind of like one side or the other meeting and i'm like i think it would be great if there was a place where the two sides could you know both be at the same place at the same time also all right so Tamara says okay i'll start looking for contacts let me know who i should reach out for <laughs> and the date of the event <laughs> i love that it's so awesome she's amazing you guys need to get an assistant um all right somer uh right here roman i know we bounced around a lot but um it's hard to keep me on any one task, but I, I can't thank you enough, Roman. Number one, like when I pitched you the idea of me doing a podcast, you were like, we're in, um, you know, just your faith. And, and um, I don't know, I just appreciate your support uh, so much of the podcast. Um, you've been very loyal. You and Sherwinder have been with me since season one and we're now in season five. So that's awesome. Um, I hope your success through the podcast continues and, um, I'm going to continue trying to push the industry forward and, and bring the communication between dealers and manufacturers together. I think we deserve answers. Um, I also uh, think that we need to stop whining and complaining and actually like put some effort into help and fix the problem too. Um, and so I, I think opening communication is the first step and that's going to be my goal. So we're going to try and get that scheduled probably here over the next month or two. And see if we can't do that and uh, promote it. We'll do it free. I'll just do like a free event because I feel like everybody needs to be involved in it. I like it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Anything you want to add? Tell the tell the people out there, the dealers who going through trouble and you know just uh, having a hard time and trying to find their way in a time that they've never been through before. Um. I don't know. I, I, I definitely feel for you guys. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a pretty good listening ear. So if you need something to vent to, um, reach out to Ryan, call our office number, um, or you can reach me in my email, which I'll, I'll, uh, it's r.troyer at summer-usa.com. And Troyer uh, is T-R-O-Y-E-R, right? E-R-O-Y-E-R, and Summer, of course, is S-O-M-M-E-R. Um, yeah, feel feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm not uh, – um, I don't really build connections. I, I think that's why I'm at least relevant to what I do is because I like to build connections. So um, happy to talk. And also, you know, keep pushing, be flexible, um, don't don't let the wind break you the winds of change uh, but uh push back and find your way there's always a way always always all right well there you have it ladies and gentlemen roman with sherwinder as always not sherwinder somer oh my god go sherwinder <laughs> go sherwinder though we do love sherwinder thank you chris um so uh roman with somer and again, uh, just going to give one more plug because you deserve it. If you guys have not talked to them about their operators, please call them, check them out because they're amazing. Great customer service. Uh, and thank you for listening, supporting the podcast, everybody. Make sure you subscribe so you get updates when we um, post new podcasts. And um, you can leave a review that will help us with the algorithms in the uh, podcast platforms. Uh, we will, we are working on some things behind the scenes, maybe doing like some, um, video content. We also are launching, depending on when this goes out, garage door, you, 
Uh, we've got 10 spots. Uh, you got to fill out an application. And we're actually creating like accountability groups where we're going to meet every week. And that is something I'm super excited about. I think right now we've got about seven applicants. We need a few more. And I don't know when this is going to go out, but um, at this time, what is it recording? Which is June 4th. Uh, we got seven applicants. Uh, they're trickling in a little bit. There's a financial commitment. There's definitely a, a, a time commitment. But once a week, we're going to meet for an hour. We're going to go over goals, uh, progress, hold each other accountable, and uh, discuss some challenging things within our business. Listen, I really appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and stay safe.